0: Welcome. It is Sunday the 19th of April 2020 and this is Eden Grove Presbyterian Church and we gather today in homes all across this district to worship the Lord. You're very welcome with us wherever you're from, however you're listening to this on whatever platform. It is good to have your ears today and your eyes as we come together as a church. Folks, a few announcements to begin. Firstly, just to say that we will continue to pray on Wednesday nights from half past seven to eight o'clock. If you are able to do that, it would be great if you could just stop what you're doing, put away the book, put away the TV remote, switch off the radio, whatever it is you're at, half seven to eight o'clock each and every Wednesday night, and we will meet to pray around this district. Also uh, today, if you're not yet using the daily devotions that are written by myself and the Reverend Alan Burke, then please do so. They're available on Facebook, and we also share them in our WhatsApp group, and they will take you through the whole of the Bible by the grace of God. On Monday, uh, we look at the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the Pentateuch. On Tuesdays, we look at Psalms and the rest of the wisdom literature. On Wednesday, the Prophets. On Thursday, the Gospels. On Friday, the Pastoral Epistles. And then on Saturdays, the Book of Revelation. And then, by the grace of God, on the Lord's Day, at the end of the week, Alan will preach on a passage that he has been looking at. And I will preach on a passage that I have been considering as well. Uh, from my own perspective, I prefer to kind of work through uh, a, a book. Alan's much younger and much more flexible than me. And so I'll be looking at the book of Revelation. And I'll be writing the devotions then on Saturday for that book. Please look at those. Look, pass them on. Read them. Pray. Share. Uh, and feed on the Word of God in this time uh, of trial those are all the announcements today we gather to worship the lord and today we take our call to worship from the book of revelation this is revelation chapter 4 and the apostle john sees a vision of the heavenly throne room there were four living creatures each of them with six wings and they were full of eyes all around and within and day and night they never ceased to say holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever they cast their crowns before the throne and say worthy are you O Lord and God To receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honour and power. Worthy are you.
1: Do you feel the world is broken? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? we yeah. Okay. Got-
0: Son, God's praise. So now we're going to speak to him in prayer. And this morning, as we will pray, we will say the Lord's Prayer together as we have been doing. But also today, I'm going to lead us in prayer using this little book that's called The Valley of Vision. Uh, it's a collection of prayers from a group of believers uh, called the Puritans. Uh, and it's a little book that's easily bought in this day and age. It's a banner of truth book. You can get it from the banner, you can get it on Amazon and wherever you buy your books. So you can get a hold on it quite easily, quite quickly. I would ask you to do that. It's well worth getting for your own private devotions. And I'm going to lead us today in prayer and use one of the prayers in this wee book. It's called Our Great God. So let us pray. Father, you are the fountain of all good. And as we gather before you today, we pray that you would destroy in us every lofty thought. That you would break our pride to pieces and that you would scatter it to the four winds. Father, we pray that you would annihilate every clinging shred of self-righteousness that rests in us. And instead of these things, Lord, we pray that you would implant in us a true lowliness of spirit. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to see who we really are. Father, we pray that we would loathe our sin. We would absolutely abhor it. We would run from our sin into the arms of Jesus. And Father, we pray that you would open up in us a fount of penitential tears. Father God, you are a great God. And it amazes us this morning that we can come before a God like you. But Father, we ask today that you would break us and then you would bind us up that our hearts would be a prepared dwelling for our God that Father you can take up your abode in me that the Lord Jesus can come with healing in his touch and that the Holy Spirit can descend in sanctifying grace our triune God three persons and one God we pray that you would fill us again, temples consecrated to your glory. For, Father, we know that where you are present, evil cannot abide. In your fellowship is fullness of joy. Beneath your smile is peace of conscience. By your side, no fears can disturb us. No apprehensions can chase away the peace of mind that you give us. With you, Lord God, our hearts shall bloom with fragrance. Lord God, nothing exceeds your power. Nothing is too great for you to do. Nothing is too good for you to give. your might is infinite your love is boundless your grace is limitless and your saving name is glory and so this morning lord god as we worship you in the emptiness of this meeting house in the comfort of our own homes sitting in our well manicured gardens father as we meet with you to pray We ask boldly today that the angels would sing for sinners repenting, for prodigals restored, for backsliders reclaimed, for Satan's captives released, for blind eyes opened, for broken hearts bound up. For the despondent cheered up, for the self-righteous to be stripped, the formalist driven from a refuge of lies, the ignorant enlightened, and saints built up in their holy faith. Today, Lord God, we have asked great things, but not in vain. For we have asked great things, of an even greater God. We pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And indeed we thank God that we can come before him today in prayer. Boys and girls, I'm going to give you a wee second to get closer to the screen. Uh, go up to the TV, go to the iPad, wherever you're watching this or listening to this. Come a wee bit closer, because it's time for the children's address. Give you a couple of seconds. One, two, three four hurry up five there we go boys and girls welcome it is good to see you and today boys and girls we're going to start something new over the past couple of weeks of isolation we've been teaching you three things about the Lord what are they the first omni was omni that's it Omnipresent. that means that God is everywhere all at once he's here he's there he's everywhere he's omni Present like he got a, an amazing gift omnipresent at uh, two weeks ago. We said that God was Omni Potent. Well done. Well done. He is omnipotent. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He can do all things, but there are some things that he cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot sin. He cannot be tempted by evil. He cannot break a promise. But he can do all things in keeping with who he is. And then last week, uh, Dave taught us that God is all-knowing. He is omni... What was the the, the word... <laughs> there we go, well done, omniscience, omniscient, God is all-knowing. I don't know what will happen in the next 20 minutes, but God knows all things. So omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscience, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, God is those things, and God alone. Nobody else is that, only our great and wonderful God. Boys and girls, today uh, in our service, we're gonna start a, a little series in the very last book of the Bible. It's a book that is called Revelation, and we're going to uh, try and teach you a little bit about Revelation as well. But the first thing that I want you to know, boys and girls, is what Revelation actually means. See, I could come this morning, and I could say to you, hello, boys and girls, or I could look you in the eye, I could get closer to the camera, and I could say, ni hao, boys and girls, or I could move over here, boys and girls, and I could look you in the eye once more from this side, and I could say, Anya hazeyo, boys and girls, or like the Germans, I could say, hello, or like the Greeks, I could say, yeah. All of that, boys and girls, means kind of the same thing. Good morning, hello, how are you? All of those words in different languages, They're all kind of doing a wee bit of that. Good morning, boys and girls. How you doing? And in your wee language, at home, in the comfort of your own wee sofa, in your jammies, I want you to shout as loud as you can. Hello, Scott! One, two, three. There we go. Super duper. Hello. Now, boys and girls, I am no master of languages. I can speak English. I can understand a little bit of Latin, eke, in pictura, espoela, nominae, Cornelia. I can do a little bit of Hebrew, a little bit of Greek, but that's about it. I am no master of languages, but boys and girls, let me teach you a lovely, wonderful Greek word today, which helps us understand what the book of Revelation is all about. The word that I want to introduce you to this morning, boys and girls, is apocalypsis. You heard that word before? Hope so, maybe, perhaps. Apocalypsis. What does it mean? Well, it is a Greek word which means, boys and girls, it means an unveiling. So what was once hidden is now revealed. The book of Revelation is an apocalypse, an apocalypse, and it is what God has revealed to you and to me, simple. And boys and girls, this week, what I want you to do is every morning you get up and you open the curtains, I want you in a very loud voice. doesn't matter what time of the day it is, if it's four in the morning or five or six or seven, I want you to wake up, open your curtains, and in a loud voice, shout so everyone can hear, Apocalypse! That's your challenge, boys and girls. Every time your mum or dad opens a cupboard this week, I want you to shout in a loud voice, Apocalypsis! Apocalypse! That's your challenge. Every time you open the door, into the car, to the house, to your bedroom, I want you to shout, boys and girls, apocalypsis! And when you do that, if someone looks at you and says, what on earth are you talking about? You tell them that it's a Greek word which means an unveiling. It's a little bit like this, boys and girls. Apocalypsis! Apocalypsis! apocalypses 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 what once was hidden has now been revealed and so boys and girls before you go this morning i want you to hear something amazing that the book of revelation has revealed about our god in the very first chapter revelation 1 It tells us this about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the faithful witness, so he always tells the truth. He is the firstborn of the dead. He was raised again to life. We celebrated that last week. He is the ruler of the kings of earth. He is sovereign, boys and girls. That means that he's the boss. He's the ruler. And he loves us. And he has freed us from our sins by his blood. What Jesus did for us at Calvary was huge. Our sins are forgiven because Jesus shed his blood and we have trusted in Jesus. And not only that, boys and girls, but this passage in Revelation 1 and verse 8 says that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Those are Greek letters, boys and girls, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and also the last. And it tells us that Jesus is the beginning and he is the end, the alpha and the omega. He's amazing. Boys and girls, we started our service by singing, is he worthy? The answer is absolutely yes. This truth has been revealed to us. Apocalypsis. Boys and girls, thank you for listening. Uh, We're going to sing uh, your song now, and it's called the A, B, C, D song. Let's praise God.
1: Now this is the A, B, C song, and so if your name begins with the letter B for Barry, or if it begins with G for Griselda, then you would stand up on your letter, which would be B or G. So, think about what your name begins with, and then when we say the letter, you stand up and then you sit down again. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three, four. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Jesus died for you and me. H, I, J, K, L, M, N. Jesus died for sinful men. Amen. P Q R S T U I believe the Bible's true. V and W, God has promised you. X, Y, Z home ahead. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Jesus died for you and me. H-I-J-K-L-M-N Jesus died for sinful men. Amen. Oh, P Q R S T U. I believe the Bible's true. V and W. God has promised you. XYZ home
0: ahead. We're going to read from the Book of Revelation then this morning. It's Revelation chapter one, and we're going to read verse one to eight. Uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, when all of this isolation all this pandemic first hit. Uh, I preached on the second part of Revelation 1, the vision of Christ, the vision of the Son of Man, and so I would uh, point you to that, it will be on our website, uh, go and listen to that as John sees Christ in his great high priestly garb, that is there for you. So this morning we'll, we'll fill in the rest of it, uh, the prologue, and then Christ's greeting to the seven churches. So we read Revelation 1, verses 1 to 8, and this is the Word of God. Is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was. And who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. And we thank God today for his precious word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for your precious word. We thank you that we have been counted as blessed because we have heard the book of Revelation read in our earshot. Today, Lord, we pray for understanding in this book that the Spirit would illuminate the truth of this passage to us, that Lord, you would take your truth and sanctify us by it. Father, soften our hearts, open our ears, help us to receive this word, and we pray in Jesus' precious name, amen. These are days where the same thing seems to be said quite often. Sometimes in Ballinahinch in the past, I have lamented men and women always endlessly talking about the weather. We always get afraid by the snow up in this part of the country, and there's a time and place where everybody's concerned about the snow. But here today, at this point in April, in this time of pandemic, then all we are ever hearing is, these are strange days. If I have said it once, I have said it about seven times these are strange days and i don't exaggerate i'm not just saying it for the sake of it these are indeed strange days none of us i suspect can ever remember a time that we have uh, been isolated the way we have none of us can remember a time like this where we have been told to keep our distance don't shake hands don't hug each other at funerals uh, stop meeting in big groups like churches and all the rest of it none of us can remember days like this truly these are strange days. And yet if we were to believe that these are the strangest days that there have ever been, that these are the most difficult days that there have ever been, then the word disabuses us of that notion. See, sometimes when we read the scriptures and, and we read the pastoral epistles and we read the book of Revelation, we, we, we have these misty-eyed memories of what it must have been like in the, the days of the church and all those years ago. And, and we think, if only we were like the early church. Indeed, some of our fellowships call themselves that, New Testament Church. Because after all, the New Testament Church was perfect. My brothers and sisters, there has never been a perfect church. Neither the New Testament Church nor the Old Testament Church, and let's just do away with those labels. The church has never, ever been perfect. Not from the beginning and not to the end. The church is not a perfect body here on this earth. And if we believe that these are strange days, and if we lament the course that our nation has taken, and if we are upset and sad about where we are today in 2020, and if we respond to that by saying, if only we could have been like the church back then, during the times of revival, or or during the 1500s, or the the 1200s, or, or even further back during the time when John was writing, if only we could have been like the church back then. That would be a mistake. These are strange days. These are difficult days, but it has always been this way for the church of Jesus Christ. The church has never been perfect, and the church has never known this golden age where there was no false teaching, no division, no pandemics, no overzealous and overbearing government officials. The church has always had to contend with these things, and we are no exception. As we get into Revelation uh, and as we read the first chapter, we see that it is written to the church of Jesus Christ. We see here that John says in verse four, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now, of course, in those days and in these days, there were always many more churches than just seven. But Revelation is an apocalyptic book, apocalypsis, something that has now been revealed. And as we read through the book of Revelation and preach it and study it, we will see that numbers have a significance. And that number seven is a number of completeness, a number of perfection. And so when John writes to the seven churches, he's not saying that these are the seven best churches. We will see that they're not. He's not writing to a collection of God's favorite churches. That is not the case. God loves his bride, not uh, divided up into little chunks and sections. But he is writing a letter to the church. At all times, and all ages, he writes a letter. He unveils something, apocalypsis to the church of Jesus Christ. And so this book, this wonderful book, which I hope you're not afraid of, I hope you rejoice in it, I hope you read it and enjoy it. This wonderful book called Revelation, this apocalypse, is for us. It is for the church of Jesus Christ in every age, and it is to encourage us. It is not to send us down blind alleys and rabbit holes wondering when we're going to get little barcodes on our hands and all the rest of it. It's not for that. It's not to try and find America somewhere in these pages. It's not to try and place coronavirus into some verse. One lady once came up to me and said, Oh, you're you're going to preach Revelation wonderful. I can't wait till you get to the bit about the African Pope. I don't find any African popes in the book of Revelation. Maybe he's in there hiding somewhere, I just can't see it. When we read through the book of Revelation, when it is preached, it is a blessing to the people of God. It is an encouragement to the people of God. And so we will not be running down blind alleys. We will not be trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. We'll not be doing any of that stuff. We read this and preach this to encourage the church of Jesus Christ in strange days. That's its purpose. John writes to the seven churches that are in Asia. He writes to the whole church of Jesus Christ in every age. And as we read in verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it, and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. See, this book was written 2,000 years ago. And it was written when the time was near, and the time is still near. The time for Christ's return gets closer every single day. We do not know when it is going to be. That is not for me. That is not for you. But only the Lord knows when the time of his return is coming. But the time is near. The time is near. It was near for the men and women in Revelation. It is near for us today. And it is in this spirit and in this context that I preach these words. This is for our encouragement. And why? Because the time is near. It is for our encouragement. And why? Because we are living in the period that Revelation speaks about. There was a monumental event that happened after the resurrection. And that was the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever wondered well where is jesus now well the answer is that he is at the right hand of the father flesh and blood is at the right hand of the father jesus is at the right hand of the father and he is interceding for his bride the church that's where jesus is now he ascended up into heaven and from there he will come to judge the living and the dead we are living in the in-between the period between his ascension And the period that will end with his return. And so Revelation speaks about that period. And Revelation encourages us about that period. If we think the days, like ones we are living through, have have never been experienced before, then we are absolutely wrong. John writes to the seven churches in Asia and we will see in chapter 2 and chapter 3 who those seven churches are. And they were all getting it tight. They were not this perfect group of untainted churches. They had their difficulties. They had their problems. And probably if we were around in Smyrna or Thyatira or Sardis, we might be saying, we live in strange days. If you were in Ephesus, you would have known that there were false uh, False apostles. There was a group called the Nicolaitans, and and they had lost uh, their sense of love. In Smyrna, there was tribulation, there was was poverty, there was slander. Some believers were being imprisoned. In Pergamum, a man called Antipas had lost his life. There was false teaching, and again, these mysterious Nicolaitans had raised their ugly heads. In Thyatira, there was a false prophetess by the name of Jezebel, and she had introduced sexual immorality and food sacrifice to idols into the church. In Sardis, bluntly speaking, the church was dead. In Philadelphia, there were problems with those who were calling themselves Jews. And in Laodicea, the church had grown lukewarm. And the people had delighted themselves, not in the Lord, but in material goods. Strange days, aren't they? And yet not much has changed. It was a time of crisis in the church 2,000 years ago, just as it is a time of crisis in the church today. And so what do we do? We look to the Lord. We look to his word. We read it and receive it as the very word of God. And blessed are those who read the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written within it. My brothers and sisters, today we are counted in that number. You have heard the words of this prophecy read. You have received it as the word of God. By God's grace you will do what it says. Blessed are we. This apocalypse has been given. It has been unveiled for our benefit as a blessing to us, the Church of Jesus Christ, in 2020. And may we rejoice in what it says. It is an apocalypse, not of John. I know John always gets the the credit, the apocalypse of John, the revelation of John. But we read here that this is a revelation of Jesus Christ in verse 1. God gave him this to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. This is a God-given message from the Father to the Son to his servants to the church. And we receive it today as a blessing for us. It was made known to John by the ministry of an angel and John bears witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all that he saw, verse two. And this is what we have in this magnificent book that we call the Revelation of John. And it begins not with barcodes or tanks or American eagles or antichrists or beasts or harlots or any of those other things that Revelation is well known for, It begins instead with Jesus. My brothers and sisters, I don't want you to cheat today. But if you were a little bit sneaky, and and who wants to admit to that? But if you were a little bit sneaky, and you got yourself to the end of the book of Revelation, you will see that it finishes with the Lord Jesus speaking to his church. And how does the book begin? With the Lord Jesus speaking to his church. Truly, he is the Alpha and the Omega. Truly, if we are to find any comfort in this day and age, it will not be through the words of an imperfect preacher, some self-declared apostle in a megachurch somewhere. It comes directly from the Word of God, which is a revelation of God to us. Things that were once hidden have now been revealed, and this is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 4, John writes to the church. He writes to the seven churches that are in Asia. As we've already said, there are more than that, but seven is a number of completeness and and perfection, and we will see that repeated again in this very chapter. He writes to the church of Jesus Christ in every age, and he says, grace to you and peace from our triune God. Now, if you've got your Bible in front of you and you're reading along carefully, you will see that the words triune God are not mentioned there. But as you read it again, you will see that it is from our triune God. John says, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of earth. This is a revelation to us, the church, from our triune God. John writes exactly that. It is from the Father, the one who is and who was and who is to come. It is from the Holy Spirit, from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Again, not to say that there are seven Holy Spirits, but the number seven denotes completeness and perfection. And so who do we meet here? We meet the complete, perfect, Holy Spirit before the throne of God the Father. It is from the Father, the Spirit, and from Jesus Christ, says verse 5, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of earth. This is from our triune God. And more than that, it is from Jesus, who is our prophet, our priest, and our king. He is the faithful witness, as we've read in verse 5. He is the faithful prophet, the great amen, as he is described in this wonderful book. He is Jesus, from whom every single word is true. Where do we find our comfort in days like this, strange days like this one? Well, from Jesus. We listen to him. We receive what he has to say. We know that he doesn't speak a word of lie. We, we receive from Christ the faithful witness, the one great true prophet. And it is from Jesus who is also our priest. As we read here, he is the firstborn of the dead. We celebrated Easter Sunday last week. We rejoiced in the news that Christ is risen and my brothers and sisters, seven days on, he is still risen. Jesus is our priest who offered himself as a once and for all sacrifice for sin. And when he had finished his priestly work, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is the firstborn of the dead. Here is Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. We read in verse 5 that Jesus is the ruler of the kings on earth. What a comfort it is to read that today. What a joy it is to remind ourselves of that and to know that that is the truth. That this Jesus rules over Brother Trump. And this Jesus rules over Brother Boris and, and all the other men and women who have authority in this world. The Lord rules over every single one of them. And they may make mistakes. And they may do things that go against the Lord and they may lead us a blind alley. Some of them might be seen as perfect and wonderful and the next guy comes along and is uh, no, uh, we close to them in our estimation, but rulers come and go, but Jesus remains. He is the king of kings. And here we see Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. Why is the book of Revelation worth reading? Because it is the word of God. Why is it worth reading aloud and receiving as such the word of God? Because it is from our trying God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please, brothers and sisters, never leave the book of Revelation closed because it seems a wee bit crazy for you. Open it and rejoice in it, because if ever we needed a word in strange days as such as this, then we find it in the Word of God, and we find it in this magnificent book that finishes the whole canon of God's Word, the Holy Scripture. This is a message from our triune God, and this is a message of comfort. Note that in verse 5, after we have been introduced to the author of this message, our triune God, We are told about Jesus who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. We could stop there. We could hit the pause button right now and just reflect on that joyous truth. We are loved by Jesus. We are freed from our sins by his precious blood. And and freedom is not something that we have enjoyed for, for a few weeks now. And let's not get too melodramatic, because after all, we're sitting in our comfortable homes. It's not like we are in prison. But maybe some of you have lamented the fact that you can't get out the way you wanted to before. You can't get down the street with freedom and with liberty. You, you can't get here, there, anywhere. You're not up at Barry's this Easter. You're supposed to be up enjoying the sun in Port Stewart, but you're not there this Easter. Your freedom and liberty have been curtailed before we grow our hair and grow our beards and and protest out the windows, we're reminded that whilst we are not at liberty the way we once were, we have been freed from our sins by the blood of Christ. And my brothers and sisters, there is no greater freedom than that freedom that Jesus has laid down his life for us, and that sacrifice was utterly sufficient. Christ died for our sins and was raised for our justification. I never get tired of saying that. It is true. And this same Jesus has freed us from our sins, broken our chains from our sins, removed us from death and judgment and wrath. He has taken our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. Our sins are no more because we have been forgiven by Christ and the sacrifice has been written in his precious blood. My friends, rejoice in that this Sunday. You're not going to get down to Newcastle for a wee ice cream this afternoon. You're not going to be walking around with tato, gazing at the lovely lake and, and longing for a wee bit of cheesecake in the coffee shop. You're not going to be doing those things. But by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been set free and you are free indeed. Your sins are forgiven. I know we're Presbyterians. I know where we bit dear. I know our favourite colour is grey, or if we get really excited, navy. And although I can't hear you today, is anybody out there listening who you have been forgiven by the precious blood of Christ? If you're there, if you're rejoicing, if you're excited by such truth, let me hear you say, Amen. I think there is one there. I think I heard one, but I suspect that was a Baptist brother and sister listening on Facebook. Amen to this. We have been forgiven by the precious blood of Christ. This letter comes to us from the triune God. And it reminds us who we are in Jesus. He has made us a kingdom, verse 6, priests to his God and Father. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is who we are. We've been taken out of this harlot world. We've been removed from a world that is collapsing in on itself and cannot last. We are part of his kingdom. We are part of the kingdom of God. We're part of the bride of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And we've been made as, as priests to God and Father Almighty. This is what we are, who we are in Christ. And our responsibility every day is to, to shout sola Deo Gloria to God alone the glory. To offer our lives as a, as a day-to-day offering to our King. We are His priests, His servants. We, we live to serve and honour Him in all we say and do. For He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy to receive the glory and dominion that we bestow upon Him. He is worthy of our praise who we are in Jesus, is of massive significance and massive comfort to us in these strange days. The Christians long ago in all of these exotic sounding places like Ephesus and Philadelphia and Sardis and other places like it, they were exactly the same. They were men and women saved by the blood of Christ, part of the kingdom of God, priests to God the Father Almighty, to live their lives singing Sola Deo Gloria and pouring out glory and dominion and power on the one who had redeemed them. This was their responsibility in their strange days as aliens and strangers on this earth as exiles and, and sojourners on this earth. This is what these believers were supposed to be up to. And so my brothers and sisters I, I preach this to you today so that you will not despair in these strange days that you will not Be all doom and gloom as you listen to the reports of another three weeks of isolation. That you will not be men and women of fear and trepidation because, well, you have to go to Iceland and you don't have a face mask and you're panicking and you're worrying. And please do not get me wrong. I saw a video of a lady in the States and and a man said to her, Where are you going? And she said, I'm going to church. And I said, But The governor wants us all to stay at home in case we get sick or pass coronavirus on to someone else. And she said, I don't care. I'm covered by the blood of the lamb. I appreciate that lady's faith. But because our sins have been forgiven by the blood of the lamb does not mean that we are protected from sickness. Christians get sick all the time. Some of you are listening to this sermon and you are sick. Maybe not coronavirus, but some other illness has blighted you. I'm not belittling this today. I'm not saying, let's get together next week. Let's kiss each other on the cheek and shake each other by the hand. Of course I'm not saying that. But brothers and sisters, may we not fear in these days. May we not fear in these days. It is said that the American General Stonewall Jackson was confident in life, as he was confident in battle. And he was once asked, why was this the case? And Jackson replied that he knew that the Lord was sovereign. The Lord was sovereign over all the affairs of men, and the Lord had appointed a day for us to leave this earth. And so Stonewall Jackson was confident in life as he was in death and in battle because he knew his days, his times, were in the hands of the Lord. My friends, we know that too. We are part of the church, the kingdom of God. We are priests unto the Lord. Our cry is and has always been, Sola Deo Gloria. And so we do not fear. These are strange days, indeed. But we are comforted today by who we are in Christ and who this letter is from. But there's another comfort as this passage comes to a close. And in verse 7 the words are written. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. This paragraph, this passage, this revelation, this apocalypse, this unveiling, this word that is blessed to read and to listen to, it tells us that Jesus is coming. You see, that was true six weeks ago, as it is true today. Jesus is coming. It was true 12 weeks ago, as it is true today. Jesus is coming. And it was true in the days of the Ephesians and the Smyrnans and the the Philadelphians. Jesus is coming. It was true then as it is true now. And this is our focus. This is our certainty. This is our hope. He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. Even those who, who drove him to the cross, they will see him. Every eye will see Jesus. And this verse speaks of the day that he returns and the day that everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The day that Christ will come and justice will be done. Jesus is coming. And maybe you're wondering, well, Scott, for me as a believer, where is the comfort in that? Hear this wonderful answer from the Heidelberg Catechism. The 52nd question of the Heidelberg Catechism asks about the comfort that Christ's return will bring us. And here is the answer for our strange day. Christ's return. In all my distress and persecution, I turn my eyes to the heavens and confidently await as judge the very one who has already stood trial in my place before God, and so has removed the whole curse from me. All his enemies and mine he will condemn to the everlasting punishment, but me and his chosen ones he will take along with him into the joy and the glory of heaven. My brothers and sisters, this is what we look forward to. Christ is coming. His return is coming. He is on his way. And the days may be long at the minute, And the nights may be even longer. And the worries may seem beyond our ability to carry them. But the, the reality of this passage is that we have a triune God who is absolutely in control. We have a triune God who speaks to his bride, the church. He has made us a kingdom. He has made us his priests. We live for his glory. Our triune God has done exactly this. And he tells us in these opening verses, Behold, Jesus is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. See, Jesus is on his way. And for the church of Jesus Christ, that is a wonderful comfort. For the bride of Christ, we have absolute certainty that this will be a great and glorious day. We will see him with our eyes. He will remove from us every frailty and weakness. We will stand again on this earth. Our elder brother, who is the firstborn of the resurrection, we will follow him. We will stand again. And with perfect bodies, freed from sin and frailty and weakness, we will rejoice with the angels in eternity forevermore. This is our blessed hope. Jesus is coming on the clouds. But for those outside the kingdom today, for those who do not carry the title as priests unto Almighty God, the return of Christ should be a warning on this beautiful sunny day late in April 2020. The return of Christ should should cause us to quake. The return of Christ should cause us to stop in our tracks and wonder about how we are living our lives and how we are spending our days. And I know this time of isolation is wonderful. My garden has never looked so perfect. And you see the queues outside all the shops and especially the hardware shops. It's a time to paint the kitchen. It's a time to decorate the spare bedroom. It's a time to put to good use and to fix up the house the way we'd always promised we would. But my friends, today, if you're not a believer, if you listen to this sermon today, outside of the kingdom, outside of saving faith, then the return of Christ causes you, or should cause you to stop and to realize that there are things of much more significance than that little patch of dump in the back bedroom. There are things of much more significance to you than how long will this isolation last? You see, the isolation from a holy God for sinners who do not repent does not last for three weeks. But it is an eternal isolation. It is an eternity that is spent in the place called hell prepared for the devil and his angels. My friends, today if you hear me saying this, do not scoff. Do not think, "Ah, here he goes again. Please hear me. Please hear me, this news is not good, it's not positive, it is awful. That the wrath of a holy God abides upon us because of our sins. And Jesus is coming and all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And when you're before the judgment seat of Christ, you're not going to enter into some discussion with him, some compromise. He'll give you this and you give him that. That's not how it's going to work. If on that day that your sin has not been forgiven, if God's wrath abides upon you, then there is only doom for you. There is only punishment for you. There is only that place called hell for you. And as all of those things are absolutely true from the lips of the faithful witness himself in the book of Revelation, so I call upon you, to do something about it Jesus is coming and so today my friends outside of Christ you can ready yourself for his return by repentance and faith repentance knows how filthy your sin is repentance understands how holy our God is he's not a wee bit holy he is Holy, holy, holy. And repentance knows that the due punishment for our sins is death. And so repentance flees from our sins and runs in faith to Jesus. Repentance and faith. Jesus is coming. And so what is my response? Repentance and faith. Blessed is the one who hears and reads the words of this apocalypse. And blessed is the one who who does what it says. And I urge you today, my friends, in light of what you have heard, to trust in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. But you see, as for me, in my house, today we will serve the Lord. As for me in these strange days, I know who it is that I have believed. As for me, here and now in days of pandemic and isolation, I know who is for me. You see, this book tells us what was and what will be, but it also reminds us of what is. If we were to continue on to these final verses in this chapter We see Christ wearing the garb of the high priest. I preached about this just a few weeks ago, how how John sees Jesus, our great high priest. And he is not far and distant and isolated from his bride, the church, but he is among the church. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who is and was and who is to come. He is the Almighty. He is Jesus. And he is for his people. And so how do we live In these strange days, we live knowing Christ. We live resting in Christ. And we know that we have a great high priest over the household of God who lives evermore to make intercession for us. That's not pie in the sky thinking. We read that. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 he lives to make intercession for us and you might say to yourself well Scott how does he know what I'm going through I carry weights and troubles that nobody could understand are you telling me really that our great high priest over the house of God is is really in tune with what me a struggling saint is going through here on earth absolutely my brother and sister yes In Hebrews 4 In verse 15, we read that he is tempted and tried in every way. He knows what we experience. He was able to endure it, and yet without sin. This was our Jesus. This is what he did for us. This is what he accomplished in his sinless and spotless and perfect life. And that is why today we make much of Christ crucified and raised, but also ascended. See, Jesus ascended up into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He makes intercession for us, the bride, his church. And in question 54 of our larger catechism, we are told that there he is gathering and defending and subduing his enemies. He gathers his bride, he defends his bride, he subdues our enemies and he gives us gifts and, and ministers and graces and he intercedes for us. This is what Jesus is doing for us even now in these strange but yet not extraordinary days. Christ is for us, making intercession for us by answering all accusations against us, for giving us peace and quietness of conscience, giving us access to the throne of of grace. Jesus does that. Our great high priest, crucified, risen, and ascended. You see, brothers and sisters, these may be strange days. But thanks be to God, because it is no stranger at the right hand of the Father. It is no enemy who is at the right hand of the Father. Flesh and blood is at the right hand of God. Our elder brother Jesus is at the right hand of God, our Saviour and Our King, Jesus, is at the right hand of God. Jesus is his name, for he would save his people from their sins. It is this Jesus who is at the right hand of God, interceding for us in all kinds of days, good, bad, and strange. It is no stranger at the right hand of God, but it is Jesus at the right hand of God. And to the saved of God, there is no greater comfort than to remember that we belong to Jesus. My friends, these are indeed strange days, but Jesus Christ remains the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And as this is true, and as we see it, unfolding for us in the book of Revelation. Difficult and strange days written about for us in the book of Revelation. Tribulation, as John says, I am a partner in it, he says. Days of trouble and tribulation written for us in the book of Revelation. But also days of supreme confidence that our God remains in control. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And today with Hebrews 4 and 16, our response is this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For these strange days, Jesus remains our help. Amen
1: blessed assurance and Jesus is my Oh what a full taste of glory divine era of salvation purchase of God born of his spirit. day long la 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 la, la 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 perfect submission perfect delight visions of rapture burst on my side Descending, bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story. See above Filled with His mercy Lost in His love This is my story yeah. This is my song Raising my Savior
0: Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be ours now and forevermore. Amen.